Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Shane oh. McGillicuddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as soon as you said it, I was like, he's going to say lizard. No, I wasn't going to say lizard. I, I, that it's is... the Shane lizard. <laughs> it was my best coach, Steve. That was really good. That wasn't a bad coach. Uh, I've learned I can do some of Nick Kroll's voices, but, I mean, Nick Kroll is a damn genius when it comes to voices like did you know he was uncle fester in uh the adams family movie that they did recently i think i did yeah and he and he's the oscar isaac one right yeah yeah and he's also uh, uh gunther on sing one yes and two yeah shout out to nick kroll i haven't seen sing two yet neither have i oh uh, i like the first one yeah, the first We're one. We're talking about Sing today, you know. Okay. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, everyone, today. Sing. Even though, not a bad movie. I do. I, I did enjoy it. Yeah. I, I thought it was fun. Especially because it came out right around the same time as um, Disney did a movie somewhat like that. Did they? It was Zootopia. Oh, I did like yeah. Zootopia. I mean, Zootopia definitely had a, a better message. Sure, but I mean, Sing is just for fun, you yeah. know? Sometimes movies are for fun. Yeah. Yeah, one for them, one for me. Yeah, that's right. One for them, one for me. You know, the David Lowry system is, oh my, is the, you dude. know. Dude. <laughs> Speaking of David Lowry, I still, still have been going back and forth with if I would actually really want to watch Pete's Dragon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got Carl Urban in it. It's got, um, it's got. Reprising his role as Butcher. <laughs> oh my God, can you? <laughs> Carl, you gotta, you gotta stop, you gotta stop calling Disney, buddy. It's you, Disney. you can't keep saying that, man. Like, look, if this wasn't Disney, I'd let you say it. And he's like, all right, all right, all right. Oi! And we're like, oh my god, Jesus Christ. Anyway, uh, welcome back, everyone. It's gone off the rails. Yeah, it has, uh, but it's okay. I, I think. Well, I think this episode as a whole is going to go off the rails. So. I don't think so. I think it's going to be okay. I don't know, but. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, not virtual this time. Um, didn't I, I caught it uh, as we were doing that episode last week when we did Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems! Which we didn't do. I didn't I'm do that. I'm so glad we did it. I know. Uh, my mom lives in Austin. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that. Uh, we originally were going to have her in town, but... Uh, I was out of town so much. And- yeah, and so we were just like, you know what, Mom, it's just better if we do it virtually. That episode was a pain in the ass to edit. Was it? Oh, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry if anyone who listened to it, it sounded weird because when I was making sure it sounded good on my phone, it sounded like we were all sped up. Interesting. Like, were, are sound... you sure you weren't on? I 1. might 5? have accidentally done that. Oh, one point five. But I looked at that and I was like, I sound. We sound sped up. Yeah. But anyway. Um, but anyway, thank you uh, for listening. But we're not virtual anymore. Uh, we're back in the in studio. In the yeah, in the studio. In the studio. I would love the day where we had a studio. <laughs> like, I would love that. Um, but this week, uh, if you didn't listen to Uncut Gems, uh, definitely listen to it. My mom makes a lot of great points. Oh, she was great. About yeah. the movie. Mom, if you're listening to this episode, you were great. Need to have her back. Um, but this week, we are discussing the uh, Dogma 95 movement, the first movie, mm-hmm. the celebration, or uh, I'm going to sound so pretentious, and its original... Dutch? Yeah. Dutch. Uh, Festin. I guess it wouldn't be Dutch. Dutch is Netherlands. Danish. Yeah. Danish. Festin. Oh, my God. 
I just I just alienated our entire uh, Dutch and Danish. Oh audience. no! Come uh, back. <laughs> the celebration. Um, this was a first time viewing for the both of us. Yes. And you literally just finished it. I just finished it today. Yeah. Um. So okay. So let's let's talk about our first impressions. Man, it was. It was so interesting. Um. Because I, I told Ashley that we were doing this movie, and she was like, "Well, what's? Why are you so excited about it?" I'm like, "Cause this is the first time I'm we're watching a movie that has rules that yeah. they had to follow these rules, which of course we will dedicate a portion of the episode to talking. I have it written down over here. Talking about the movement of the dog, Dogma ninety five movement, but I was like, "That's what that's what I'm so excited about." Because most movies we do, you know, yes, there's quote unquote rules that. The, or are just like traditional understandings, right? I yeah. mean, they're not rules necessarily because, you know, I mean, once someone realizes you don't have to do it a certain way and do it, it becomes, you know, sort of, uh, it, be, it becomes sort of like an aha moment mm. in film, right? Right. I think, you know, um, in this particular case, it, it's sort of like the anti-studio film. This is, they yeah. are deliberately trying to make a movie that is unlike anything that the studios are making. Yeah, yeah. Which again, you know, we'll we will definitely because I definitely want to talk about that whole movement. Yeah. Um. But so, what were your first impressions, man? Um. I had seen since this was uh, your pick. Yeah, I had seen uh, and heard about it in a documentary called Side by Side. It is a documentary about the the entrance of digital digital filmmaking into movie making in general right so right. the 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 start and and where it is now right in mm-hmm. the evolution of digital filmmaking and this is one of the first movies they talked about mm. in, in early digital filmmaking as you can tell it does not yeah. look very good no, um which i think adds to it does it it's it feels very documentary style like everything just seems so real right? well uh I, i'm hoping i'm gonna blow your mind with this but i watched a video where they kind of talked about it um the movie feels very home movie yeah and then with the subject matter makes it much more haunting that's true yeah which we'll get to yeah yeah but uh as if someone were just there to film the the, the party the, the party yeah 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 you're right yeah 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 uh but yeah and uh same thing man i uh you told me about the movie and i remember when you told me that it was getting a criterion release you were excited i was very excited yeah. and you know, doing the podcast for three years, you know, I've slowly started like, okay, like, if Jeremy's really excited about it, it's got to be a good movie. Granted, of course, there are some movies that you're excited about that I'm like, eh, <laughs> not for me. Well, uh, but, but something about yeah. this one, like, I was just like, okay, he's he's really riled up about it. Let's look into it. And I remember getting on the Criterion website and reading their their little synopsis, and I was like, okay. But, of course, the big thing, the big sell for me, of course, was the, the packaging, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which Jeremy did show, but uh, I may actually dedicate a little snippet okay. that I may plug in right here. I really hope Future Rain actually does that and doesn't leave me looking like a douchebag right now. <laughs> um, but the packaging was so cool. And yeah. I was like, all right, if Jeremy's really fired up about this movie, I love the packaging. Let's just get it. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm really glad I did, dude. Yeah. It was it was so cool. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible to watch a movie just be so bare bones. Yeah. Right? Very almost kind of indie. 
Like really. I mean, this is this is as indie as it gets. Yeah. You know. So with that being said, uh, would you like to give our listeners sort of a rundown of the movie? A little synopsis. Sure. Um, a family comes into town to this sort of hotel, I guess. Yeah. Uh, everywhere it, I read it. Said it's it a was, lodge. It's a hotel uh, yeah. that, they, that they own. Right. Uh, to celebrate their father's or the patriarch, I guess you could call it the, yeah. the father's 60th birthday. Um, as people come in and as we get a lot of, uh, dialogue exposition, um, we realized that three of the siblings are there. There was originally four. The, uh, one of the, the sisters has died. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some, there are some tensions between the siblings. There are tensions within each sibling and their spouse in what, in Michael's case, of course. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Um, and, there's something up with Christian. Christian is technically our main character. Yeah. Um, Christian is the eldest son and one half of twins that his sister is the one that died. Um, we later find out that she had killed herself mm-hmm. uh, not too long ago. And um, the younger sister, what is her name? Do you remember? It's... It's almost like Helen, but there's an extra oh, you're e at right. the end. You're it's right. like you're Helene. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, she finds the note. Yeah. Uh, they would play this game where they would hide something and then put little clues around the place, and you would have to go find it. Um, they call it uh, getting warmer. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, finds that. Um, I love that this is sort of their version of a Chekhov's gun situation because we, we see her finding the note, and then she just immediately puts it away. Like, we don't know what's in it until later right right um so I'm, I'm glad we get that payoff at the end and if anyone doesn't know what a Chekhov's gun is it's uh, if a gun is introduced in the first act of a play it must go off in the third act yes and we'll go over the rules in a minute but a gun is foreboding so yes. uh, weapons murder that is all forbade um in this movement so this is their version of it um, i mean it, it's smart it is smart and we then get a big bombshell during Christian's toast to his father on his 60th birthday in front of his entire family and friends mm-hmm. that, uh, according to Christian, his father um, sexually molested uh, and raped him and his sister when they were younger. Yeah, him and Linda. Yeah, several times. This is like a, it was an ongoing thing. Um, and so we'll get to it, but it's... I just love how that news sort of falls on everyone because it's so, it's exactly how I reacted, which is like, what did he say? (laughs) Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, what? And so, um, he keeps trying to relay this message that his father is a monster, um, throughout the dinner. Um, he keeps getting either pushed away or physically ejected out of the building. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he keeps coming back and keeps trying to get people to understand that his father is a terrible person. Um, yeah. And it's not until later that once uh, Helen reads the note, understands the note, right? Mm-hmm. Gives it to the waitress. No, no, no. Um, Who gives it to the waitress? She finds it. 
because it falls. Oh, that's right. She finds it and gives it that's to right. Christian, and then Christian's like, you need to read this. Right. Um, so he gives it back to Helen. Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, and and then she reads it. Um, it is, of course, the sister suicide note um, saying why she committed suicide. One of the reasons is, of course, the main reason is her father uh, mm-hmm. raped her, right? Um, yeah. And so this is proof, right? Um, in a sense, in that it's not just Christian and, you know... Yeah, Christian's being dramatic. Or whatever, yeah. right? Um, then, finally, things turn a little bit Christian's way where people finally start to understand that Christian's not just seeking attention, not spouting lies. He's telling the truth. His father really is horrible. And the next morning, uh, during breakfast the father does in a way confess. Yeah. Right. Um, and I love the moment where, you know, Michael sort of tells him to get out. Right. Yeah. Very, very subtle. Yeah. Very, he didn't proclaim it. Yeah. He just said, uh, I think you should leave so we can finish our breakfast. Yeah. And he leaves. I love the, the silence and then the slow roar back to, back to everyone talking and then it's over. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the celebration in a nutshell. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, yeah, that reveal, man, I, I, know. I was like, wait, wait, this, cause everything I'd read pretty much said that this was sort of a family drama and that, you know, so I, was, I knew I was like, okay, maybe, you know, kind of along the lines of like, you know, death at a funeral or something like that, like a family drama. Uh, but then Christian drops that and was like, oh, this is way more than a family yeah. drama. This is a full on just drama. Yeah. Uh, because this guy's a monster. At first, when he when he first says that his father, you know, raped and, you know, um, sexually assaulted him and his sister. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it it plays to everyone at, in the room. I was like, wait. Did he. Did he really not? Is this one of those things where he's just like joking or, or not joking, but like he says it out loud, but then later he had said it in his head and he didn't really say it out loud. And we cut oh, back right, to right, like right, the right. moment, yeah, yeah. right? Because no one was reacting Respond, to yeah. it, right? But of course, neither was I, right? It's it's sort of like, wait, did he? Did he really? That's not because the how he said it was so matter of fact, right? And how he said it was, it was sort of the flow of this quasi toast he was giving mm-hmm. just to do this, right? He wasn't giving a toast and then realized, oh, I could, oh, by the way, I can out yeah. him right now. No, it was that was the whole purpose, right? But almost I, like he'd been preparing it, yes, like this. And it seemed like he was, right? Yeah, like he, it was, it was gonna be today, right? Uh, where he would get all of these people in a room to realize that his father is a monster, and. So I, that's when I was like, well, maybe, maybe I didn't read it right. Number one. Yeah. We should mention, of course, uh, this movie is, uh, Danish. So they are speaking, um, the language they speak in, in Denmark. Yeah. Uh, with subtitles, which of course, you know, English subtitles are sometimes mistranslated accidentally. Well, I mean, Criteria would never do that. I'm saying. Well, that's true. I'm saying maybe it was like, uh, like there's no way. Well, and I was so 
nervous and worried when the movie started because people were talking so fast. And yeah. I was oh. like, oh man, I can't even look away. Like I don't have time to look down or anything. Like I have to, or even look at the, at what's going on. Like I have to keep reading yeah. because they're talking so much. Uh, I would say, uh, kind of necessarily a sidebar, but like, if you're going to get into watching foreign films, maybe not start with this one. <laughs> um, maybe start with one like, I would say Parasite, where things aren't necessarily drawn out, but it's you have time to take in what's happening in the scene and read. Yeah, because this, yeah, the same. Because usually sometimes I will look away just for a second and then I'll yeah. look back. But yeah, they were going. Oh, I was like, oh my God. Like, oh. And I actually like to lay down, mm-hmm. get comfortable. But yeah, I sat up and was like, like okay. Okay. I got it. All right. Right. And so okay. if you're like, I mean, if you're faster reading, like it's probably not that big of a deal, but uh, I'm not. And so, well, and you know, and also you got, we have to take in the scene as well. We have to understand what's happened, the yeah. concept context yeah. to what is being said. So yeah, it was. And so I was like, maybe I misread it. Um, but did I don't you, think did I you did. rewind it or no. just, just let it play out. Cause it was just a split second. Maybe I misread it, but I don't think I did. Right. Well then of course, you know, the movie doubles down on it very quickly yeah yeah. you know we get the reassurance from the head cook who grew up with yes uh christian like no because you know christian starts to doubt maybe i am misremembering and right 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 right. and he's like no you i've been waiting for you to to use a modern-ish term um they're they're gaslighting him a little bit yeah right well a lot a lot yeah because even his dad is like you know my memory's not what it used to be like are you are you sure? Oh yeah, they're yeah yeah they're they're really yeah. digging in on them. Yeah, you know? really yeah really yeah really gaslighting. <laughs> yeah, big time. But yeah, but you know the cook was like, no, I've been waiting for you. Yeah. To say this, it's like you have, you can't give up, right? Mm-hmm. You have to see this through to the end. Basically, is what the cook is saying. Yeah, and, and, then, and to where even he gets like the the wait staff to, to take everyone's keys, so they can't leave. Right? Yeah. Um, because. I'm sure he felt like if they left, they would leave and kind of talk themselves out of. Like, yeah, he would never get the chance again. Yeah, basically, right? Yeah, and it and, and the movie just the movie ramps up very quickly during yeah. all of this, and I do love, and we'll get into it more, but I do love that it, it happens over this one scene, this one just taking, just having dinner. It, yeah, all of this stuff happens. Yeah. It's basically real time, I would assume. I mean, yeah, a lot I, of it seems to be in real time. Um, yeah. I think, of course, time speeds up a little bit near the end, especially at night. Mm. Um, we'll get to that. Um, but yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about the siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as as you mentioned, Christian is our oldest. Yeah. He was a twin with Linda, who uh, committed suicide. And then next is, we'll, we'll just call her Helen. Yeah. Because... Helen, um, she's like a traveler thing. It was before, like, I mean, they were blogs, but I don't know really what she is. Yeah, I don't either. And then there's Michael, who is our youngest sibling. Jesus. And Michael, as almost sort of fitting, uh, being the youngest, he is also the most... Out of control. Out of control, yeah. I would say, to put it, if you want to give it a... Um compare him to another character i would say he's he's worse obviously but to me anyway but he's like ransom in in knives Uh, out yeah yeah shout out to ryan johnson yeah ransom ransom at least isn't this bad yeah yeah he 
killed a couple people. It but, doesn't matter. He's not as... But, yeah, he's not as uh, racist. Uh, <laughs> domestically abusive. Yeah. Um, uh, but, anyway, yeah. And so, you can tell that the siblings have sort of grown apart mm-hmm. at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when when Michael sees Christian rock, walking down the road... You know, Christian, you can tell Christian's very just kind of like, oh, hey, hey, Michael. Like, yeah, it's good to see you. I, I did laugh that Michael kicked his family out. Kicked his out family out. Just yeah. so Christian could get to be in the car. Which makes no sense because there was no one in the front seat with him. His wife was in the back it's seat. It's too good. It's too funny, man. Yeah. But, um, but then, you know, when they run into Helen, Helen and Christian seem like they've maintained some sort of sibling relationship. Yeah. yeah. But they both seem very pensive and and upset with michael because he didn't come to as helen says you couldn't come to your own sister's funeral but you'll come to your to dad's birthday yeah and he doesn't even really give a reason he's just like well i'm here now aren't i i think you know the reason he was there is when michael meets his dad at the um in whatever room that was before the dinner started they were talking business. They were talking about who's going to own the lodge. Oh, you mean Christian? You said Michael. Did I? Yeah. Never mind. You're right. Because, but he did mention something to Michael though too. Well, yeah, because because he he because, um, I guess as they're showering after, a very, again, shout out to our irreversible episode, very realistic sex scene. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he tells him, like, I, I want to see you in five minutes. Yeah, yeah, And Michael definitely uh, wants... It's shown that he definitely wants to prove himself to their father. Right, and I, that's why he's there. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, because he makes a big deal over the fact that his wife didn't pack the... Uh, the shoes. The shoes. And he freaks out about that. Um, Dad can't see him wearing brown, brown shoes. shoes and white socks like that? <laughs> Not yeah. happening. And then, you know, he races to get dressed to meet his dad in five minutes. But, of course, yeah. he sort of, I guess, misses the mark. But his dad pretty much says, like, I want you to handling things tonight. Uh, yeah. You know, if anyone's, you know, missing a drink, make sure they've got a drink. You know, mm-hmm. you pretty much he's the bouncer, I guess, for the birthday. I mean, he kind of he, he's sort of making sure things run smoothly. And yeah. I think in speaking with uh, with Christian beforehand i think maybe subconsciously the father could sense that that christian's up to something and so getting michael to be like hey man yeah make sure make make sure sure everything runs okay oh and keep your hands off of uh michelle yeah which uh, as we find out later on why yeah but anyway um yeah so you know so the siblings I, i love how Thomas Fitterberg wrote these siblings again. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that there's, they have grown apart, but it's almost like sort of keeping Michael at arm's length. Yeah. Cause Helen and Christians, they seem to have some sort of familial love and yeah. we're genuinely happy to see each other. But Michael, they're both kind of like, eh, like mm. and it makes sense. Uh, especially as it's revealed that Michael is a terrible racist. Yeah. Um, very violent as we've seen him repeatedly, uh, berate his wife verbally and then physically. Yeah. And then uh, physically abused Michelle. Yeah. After she, uh, you know, what's sad. She, he got her pregnant. 
the yeah. last time he was at the lodge. Yeah. And she aborted it because he, uh, she just knew. Yeah. That he was gonna freak out. Right. right which right, he right. did anyway. He did anyway. Yeah. And then, as we see at the the end of the movie, when he beats the shit out of their dad. Yeah. But we'll get there. Um. Um. I. So I was thrilled when people started speaking English. Um, for like five for like, seconds. Yeah, for five seconds. I was like, oh, thank God this guy speaks <laughs> oh, English. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, Helen's boyfriend shows up. And this is the reveal that he's a racist, right? Yes. Which is so odd. But maybe it's not in certain parts of Denmark, maybe, maybe. still. I don't know. But um, the her boyfriend's African-American and American. Or like African-American. Like yeah. He seems American, doesn't he? Well, yeah, because yeah, as soon as he meets Michael, you know, Michael's already like, hey, hey, no, you, you can't be here. It's a private event. And then he's well, like, he was like, we don't need no, we don't need music. Like, we don't need like, he's yeah. like what are you talking about? He doesn't even he doesn't have an instrument with him. Like, again, he's assuming he's a musician. Yeah, because he's black. Right. Awful. Yeah. Well, then, but that's when we get he's like, because he asks him, like, oh, do you speak English? And Michael is like, oh, it's, it's a private party. We don't need music. Yeah. And yeah. And then Michael speaking in their native language to his sister, like, Ooh. I'm not going to repeat it, no, but no, pretty no, much like, pretty much like, you invited this guy? Yeah. You know, and it's... Replace this guy with a few epithets yeah. and, yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like how he takes his frustration out a little bit on the cab driver. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can leave now. By the way, Thomas Vanderberg. That was Thomas Vanderberg? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Cameo from the director. Well, I mean, the director couldn't have been credited, so, I mean... He's, so he's in there. Yeah. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to that. Uh, okay, so... So, like I mentioned, you know, majority of the movie takes place at this dinner. Yeah. You know, and it's very, I love the table layout that it's like an H. No. Uh-huh. Like, or like a, an I, I guess. Yeah. You know, facing the door, it's like an I. We have a long table, one in the middle, and then another long table. And it's almost like, I mean, I can't think of the right word, but it's almost interesting that. Christian and his dad are seated almost opposite mm-hmm. each other yeah. across the table. Yeah. Um, which I think kind of drives in more of why Christian is like, you know, now is the time. As much separation as possible. And of course, to where he can speak to everyone all at once. Mm-hmm. Right. Like he's not in a, in an area, I guess technically anywhere on the table, if you stand up, you're looking at everyone, but yeah, it just seems more thematic yeah. to have him at the end of the table. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I just find it so interesting that a good chunk of the movie happens here. Mm. You know, yes, some characters may walk off, like when Christian goes to the kitchen. And did they say his name was Kim? I don't remember. The cook's name, you know, the cook, you know. And then, you know, like when, uh, you know, when they tie Michael up outside. Damn. Uh, But... You know, it's just, I just love that, and I think you're right, it's in real time that this all this is taking place. Because after the um, initial reveal, you know, Christian goes to the kitchen, and that's when they start to kind of gaslight him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the cook is like, no, you gotta, you gotta keep going. Yeah. You have to, you have to make everyone understand. Or then he announces it again, uh, you know, I want to cheers a toast to the man that murdered my sister. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And then they get a uh, Christian and his dad, and we really start to see a little bit of how 
monstrous his dad is, as his dad sort of threatens him, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, what, you know, I could do that too. I could tell people about how we had to put you in a mental institution. Yeah. And your mother didn't even want to see the side of you. And we had to go pick you up. And, but it almost seems like Christian's just kind of unfazed by this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like uh, he, he's like, then, then tell him. Yeah. Tell him. But it's not going to matter. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely understand. Because he sits there eating. And then even uh, Helen's boyfriend's like, hey, man, like, just, just get through the night. He's very manipulative, uh, the father. Right? Oh, absolutely. Of course. And I like how we see that, right? Mm-hmm. We, we see it with, he doesn't like Michael, but he's, he's buttering Michael up so he could take care of Christian if something were to happen, right? Which, yeah, which Michael does. Because know. he doesn't like Michael because Michael's not invited, right? Or it seems like Michael's like, uh, you know, they took away the room he usually gets or whatever that was at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because the dad's like, fuck him. You know what I mean? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the screw-up of, of, his, of his children. Yeah. But... He knows if he gives Michael this responsibility. Right. Attention. And Michael's going to, all right, I, I got I got him. it. Like, you know, he ignores Michelle most of the dinner. Yeah. Um, when Christian starts, you know, with the whole, you know, here's a toast to the man that murdered my sister. You know, he, that's when they eject him the first time. Yeah. You know, and tells him that, you know, you're way out of line. How could you say that? Mm-hmm. You know. And then going as far as to then take him out and tie him to a tree. Yeah. Like, like I get it. You know, their dad has clearly done something to them other than sexually abuse them. But something where they, you know, these two brothers, where Michael would tie up his own brother mm-hmm. and be like, yeah, no, like, you need to cool off. Tie him up outside. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I know. I, again, he's very manipulative and knows what he's doing. Yeah. Right. Um, the look on his face when the reveal is first, um, presented, right. Mm. Is, is he's guilty, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But he, you know, wants to maintain this image of like, why I didn't do that. Yeah. What are you talking about? Talking about, um, Um, it's almost as if he knew no one was going to look at him at that moment. They're all looking at Christian so he can, you know, give Christian a look. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as if to say, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. Keep your mouth shut or something. I might be reaching, but I, again, the acting is so good in this also. I mean, oh, everybody absolutely. is amazing. And we'll, we'll talk about the, the actual filmmaking um, here in a little bit, yeah. but that has a lot to do with how this movie works so well. Yeah. Um, anyway, who's next? Uh, well, I mean... I guess, I mean, I really didn't want to have to talk about Michael. <laughs> but, I mean, truth be told, you know, he has... By the way, uh, Thomas Finnerberg uses him a lot, um, that actor. Uh, he is also in The Hunt, and he's also in Another Round. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw that, which yeah. I, that's another movie I really want to see. Yeah, me too. Uh, man, shout out to Mads Mikkelsen. That's the only reason I know, I Mads. See. Well, Matt, in The Hunt, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, um... The only reason why I kind of want to touch on Michael is how he deals with with everything. Mm-hmm. Of course, as we've been talking about with the first few times, he thinks Christian is just maybe being dramatic. 
Um, but then it's when Helen reads the suicide note that he finally is like, okay. Two of my oldest siblings were sexually assaulted by our own father. Well, it's like this. So if you think about it, how he was raised with the information we've been given, mm-hmm. right? He, he's been given, he's been fed false information. So he hasn't been told why Christian went to the mental institution, but he saw that, right? So he right. already has that information. We didn't until later, but yeah. as soon as he said it, he goes, well, he just needs to go back. He's crazy. He's reverted back to whatever he was like back then, right? Um, right. And he's, so we have that. We have, I assume his parents, you know, just telling him, well, Christian's crazy or whatever, right? Oh, and also, you know thinking that Christian just up and abandoned the family because he moved to Paris. Right. And so he's angry about that. And his dad is finally now giving him attention. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so all of that put together, you can understand why he reacts the way he does and why he needs a little bit more than just hearsay um, when it comes to this accusation. True. I mean, that does make sense. Uh, Well, but it's also kind of like with everyone, you know, it doesn't finally like sink in until the suicide note right. is read, um, and that, that's every everybody is like, oh, like, oh, okay. Um, but I do think it's very interesting how Michael decides to deal with this information, which is get drunk and take it on the man that caused my siblings' pain. Of course, um, but. To really drive it home, you know, pretty much telling his dad, like, you're never going to see your grandchildren again. Yeah. Um, which would Fair. make sense, you know. Uh, you know, if you did this to my siblings, what's to say you're not going to do this to my own kids? Exactly. Right. You know? It makes perfect sense. And um, especially at the very end when um, his daughter his daughter hops out his leg. He goes, ah, ah, like, we're about to leave. Come, uh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I like that. That. Uh, that little uh, detail in the, in yeah. the story. Yeah. That, he's like, I, uh-uh. no, no. Uh, now I do want to ask you this though. Sure. So, you know, Christian, Helen, her boyfriend and uh, the waitress that Christian's in love with, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're, they're partying. What happened? You know, so they don't know that their brother is beating the shit out of their father outside. Until their mother comes in very hysterically, like, trying to get their attention. What was Michael trying to do? What was his end game? I don't know. Because... I'm not sure he thought he had one. Because, you know, we when we cut back to that after... Because their mother is so hysterical, all she can say is, they can't. Which I wasn't getting. But then again, when you are hysterical, you kind of latch on to something. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, when we cut back to Michael, it's almost like this is just how I perceived it. Maybe he was going to pee on his dad or something. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it looked like he was going to unzip yeah, his yeah. zipper. Yeah. It was until Christian was, showed up. was like, hey, whoa. Like, no. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, it's on, how I saw it is Christian was like, he's already down. Yeah. Physically and emotionally. Like, yeah. We've destroyed him. You're done. You're done. Good. Go to bed. Almost. Maybe. I. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely... That's when I saw it as well. I saw it as he was just going to piss on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, 
Like, what are you, what are you trying to do? I don't think he was going to rape his dad. <laughs> no, That's not what I was going No, no I was just like, like. Now, if this were a Lars von Trayer movie, <laughs> absolutely. Like, you rape my siblings? Well, it, I guess it's what? not even a question. Lars von Trayer would be like, that's the direction it would go, right? Like, you rape my siblings? Well, I'm going to rape you. Because he's out of his mind. Lars von Trayer? Yeah. Well, obviously. Obviously. God, he's the best. <laughs> uh, Shout out to our House of Jack builders. <laughs> and hopefully future others. Oh uh, we have several tame-ish ones we could watch. Uh, there's Dancer in the Dark. There's Dogville. There's tons. It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So I feel like the I feel like the audience understands this this story of you know family and secrets coming out. I think so. Um, Hopefully. So let, let's let's talk about the dogma movement. Okay. Um, because I feel I, I I would feel like we wouldn't do this episode justice if we at least didn't dedicate some time. Well, of course, to talk about. The I movement. think it's the whole reason the movie. I mean, obviously, it's the whole reason the movie is the way it is, right? Yeah. It's the reason. He didn't break a rule, by the way. Well, yeah, because well, he was one of the founders. So, yeah, Jeremy has in front of him their vow of chastity. Yeah. So, before he gets into it, so this movement was made by Thomas Vitterberg, who uh, directed, wrote and directed the celebration, and Lars von Trier, Jeremy's favorite director. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it's it was a way to, again, as you said at the top of the show. To make a movie that the studios weren't making, but was it more so to be about the movie? That's why... I mean, yes, story is a big part of it, right? Mm -hmm. To really focus in on that and focus on the characters and focus on the narrative itself, right? Right. I I think a lot of it also is, and especially in Lars von Trier's case, it's let's see if we can do it. You know? Let's let's put these rules in. Let's see what what we can come up with. Because... Um, I mentioned it last week, but the five obstructions, I rewatched it uh, the other day and he is having Jorgen Leith make this short film he had made in the sixties five more times. And he keeps giving him rules to follow just to see what it looks like. What, what, what's and the outcome? Eventually yeah. it's just to, you know, ignite creativity back in Jorgen and, and to, you know, um, and really just to bring the spark back in Jorgen's filmmaking career, right? Mm. Um, but, and of course, just to have this fun experiment with a buddy of his, right? Yeah. And one of them is each cut, and this is going to sound insane, each cut can't be more than 12 frames long. I know. So every half a second, there's a cut. That doesn't necessarily mean it cuts away from the subject, but it does stop and it'll like, you know, glitch. It looks glitchy, right? Oh, okay. You know, that was one of the rules. Um, One of the rules is uh, you have to go to the most despicable place you can think of, but I don't want to see it. I'll see it here on your face that you're in the most despicable place that you can think of. Right. But he broke a rule, you see, and Lars was so upset (laughs) That he broke a rule that he made him do it completely on his own with no rules, right? Um, he had to think of everything on his own, like how to sh- like how to shoot it, how to- everything. He wow. goes, "I'm not going to tell you what to do now that you messed up that. You can either go do it again, like go back to he filmed it in Bombay in the red light district. Oh my god! Um, he goes, "You can go back to Bombay 
and do it the way I asked, or you have to do it again with no safe from me at all. And, and, and he was like, well, then I'll just do it with no safe. I'm not going back. back. <laughs> you know, and you know, it's just, it was fun to watch Lars just have complete control. Right. Yeah. But also revert back to the sort of dogma mindset to where if I, if I give you these rules, these obstructions, mm-hmm. what are you going to do to still make the movie that we want? Right. Right. It breeds creativity. If I tell you you can't use, if you can't use outside lighting, what are you going to do? Right? You right. have to find a way around it. Right? Yeah. If I tell you you can't, you have to shoot on location and you can't bring in anything. No props, no furniture, no nothing. What are you um, going to do? Yeah. How are you going to go around it? Right? You find a place. You find a place that's already fully furnished. You rent the place out, all that stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's, yes, it is sort of subverting the studio industry and, and making, making films in the exact opposite way that they were seeing other people make films. And also, yeah, to focus more on story and on narrative, I guess. Yeah. In a way. Well, so Jeremy, would you like to tell the people their ten vows of chastity? Yes. Now, one of these had to be amended a bit, uh, but we'll get to that. Okay. <clears throat> Number one. Shooting must be done on location. Props and sets must not be brought in. If a particular prop is necessary for the story, a location must be chosen where the prop is to be found. Mm. So, if it's not there, you can't have it, basically. Yeah. Uh, The sound must never be produced apart from the image or vice versa. Music must not be used unless it occurs where the scene is to be shot. So, in other words, no non-diegetic music. Diegetic only, meaning if we hear music, it's happening within the story, within the shot. Like playing on a radio. Right. Or... Someone puts on a record, or they're watching TV, or... Right, exactly. Oh, and to the first one, like how we did uh, our Paranoid mm-hmm. short film. All that stuff was at your grandparents' house. We didn't bring house. anything in. Yeah. We shot a dogma film. Oh, my God. We, oh, did, we could, you, could you imagine? We didn't. Because uh, all three of us are credited, so that we, that's already... Well, a already bro- gone, but we used other lighting, we used, um, we used music, right? Non-diagetic yeah. music, so... Um, <clears throat> number three, the camera must be handheld. Any movement or mobility attainable in the hand is permitted. So no, no tripods, no static shots. You have to hold it. Yeah, which I love that. I love that. That's. I mean, I know we'll get more into it, but I love that the camera is constantly moving. To whatever we'll get to it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, here, let me let you get through this, Uh, so I'll shut The film must be in color. Special lighting is not acceptable. If there is too little light for exposure, the scene must be cut or single lamp be attached to the camera. Yeah. Um, Optical work and filters are forbidden. The film must not contain superficial action. Murders, weapons, etc. must not occur. 
uh, temporal and geographical alienation is forbidden. Uh, that is to say that the film takes place here and now. Genre movies are not acceptable. The film format must be Academy 35mm, which is amended. The director must not be credited. That is all the rules. So, what I mean by amended is 35mm. Um, for it to be handheld, and Lars von Trier said it himself in the interview with uh, Keanu Reeves, who, um, who was the interviewer for Side by Side, said that, well, once we realized that we had already said handheld... I don't know if you've seen a 35mm film camera. It's massive. And heavy. And so we decided video is okay. And so digital filmmaking. Yeah. And so he used a tiny camcorder. Yeah, it was like a Sony yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, And he, I think he had one or two of them, and that's what they used. There you go. Yeah. Well, and... Yeah, and see, like, in this, again, what I said at the top of the show is what made me excited for the movie that we had these rules in place, you know, because, um, I mean, yes, there are, quote unquote, rules that studios follow or directors or editors or writers, you know, but to actually lay down like, hey, if you want to make a movie like this, you have to follow these rules or else or else, yeah. you know, as I re- uh, I watched a video yesterday about the movement and officially there were 31 Correct? 31 movies made officially. <laughs> Let's count them. <laughs> oh my god. Are you really uh, securing count? No. There, it should there, say 31. 35. 35. Okay. But then I know that there was like a lot of directors that we were kind of talking about um, off mic that tried, but they were breaking rules. Yeah. Um. And I and see and like this is another thing that I love is that the sh- the movie begins before it even rolls the studio, it begins with a certificate of authenticity. <laughs> yeah, it says Dogma One, and it's signed by Thomas Vitterberg, Lars von Trier, and two other people, and proving like yes, this is a Dogma movie. Yeah. And I just I yeah, yeah I thought that was so cool. It was rad. Yeah, you know um yeah so okay. So going back to paranoid, sure, yeah, yeah, let's let's, let's paranoid let's. and our rules. So technically, <laughs> technically, we did, in a way, do a dogma film. It was handheld. We shot on location, mm-hmm. but the rules we broke were we did use, well, we didn't use outside. Oh, no, we did use outside. We lighting. used outside lighting. It's yep. in black and white. We're credited. You know what I mean? It's yeah. We use music. It's it's all fucked. We we broke half the rules. Could you imagine if we went back and did that, but we followed the rules? It wouldn't be very good, but we could give it a shot. Do you I, think Alex would even want to do it? Not that in particular. We could probably do another one and try. Yeah. Um, That'd be tight. That'd be tight. So, um, what makes this movie so good and so unique is that handheld factor, right? Absolutely. So, there was a moment, and they talked to the the director of photography in the documentary, and um, he said that it it became sort of the character of the film, right? Yeah. This handheld camera and this very intimate small camera that they could put anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. It got to where that because of the rules that had to be handheld, um, several of the extras would have to hold it um, to get certain mm-hmm. shots during the dinner scene because 
they would need one at a certain point um, in the table. Yeah. And so they wouldn't have to move out of the way. He would just hand it to them. Like, here, and they would hand it back or yeah. Yeah. a quick handoffs or whatever. You know, and, you know, there's actually a moment where the actor who plays Michael accidentally hits the camera, uh-huh. which I loved. Yeah. And because because he knows he's got to keep going. Yeah. So, he you know, he I think he just elbows it mm-hmm. and he looks back for a second, but then he just keeps yeah. going with this, like, oh, uh, and, and I just love that, you know, because it it does give the film again, like we said at the top show, this sort of like home movie Mm-hmm. feel to it especially for the subject matter that's revealed because but it but it does feel feel like these people were hired to document the this celebration um yeah it does feel that way you know and 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 i just and i really dug that especially like, when he hits it yeah you know, when especially he hit- we especially when yeah. he hits it yeah and with how the characters interact and mm-hmm. Of course, granted, there are moments where it's obviously not that. Right, like with when Helen's boyfriend shows up, like why would a documentarian right, of go outside and film this? Like it's know? not, yeah, it's not literally like that. But, but that's it. Does feel it feels way. like that? Yeah, and and it just and and what I love is like the surreal moments feel even heightened. Like mm-hmm. when Christian is hallucinating Linda at the mm-hmm. end of the movie. Yeah, you know and. Keeping with the uh, with the rules, you know, he's using a match. Yeah. Or no, a lighter. Yeah, he's using a lighter. Using a lighter to light the scene. Yeah. And which is, I mean, listen, the fact that that lighter had enough exposure, right? Yeah. For that, oh my god, it was bright. Um, but you know, even I love that you know the rules are so strict that I would imagine Lars would do something to you if you broke them. Um, <laughs> but shows up at your door. Yeah, <laughs> but I love that even in the the night scene when, um, or in the dusk scene when Christian is getting up off the tree and untied, it's so dark and yeah. you can barely see anything. Right, all you can see is the static noise from a very faint room, a very um, old, uh, primitive movie camera, right, or yeah. a video camera. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I did want to talk about that too. Is you know, as you said, because I was wondering if this was like the beginning of the digital movement. Yes, yes, um, a lot of yes. Because then, if you go back and you look at, shout out to our Zodiac episode. Mm-hmm. You know, was, was that Fincher's first digital? Yeah. You know, it, it leaps and bounds. Like, <laughs> I know, and it's only that was two thousand seven. Seven, not even ten years later. I know. Like, that's so wild to me. I know. Like... Uh, it did take a while, because even in 2002, uh, with 28 Days, days later, later... I was talking to Alex That also that. looks like shit, but it's cool, right? Well, see, and, and again, like what we're saying with this one feeling home movie-esque, you know, that feels more... I don't want to say found footage, but... Right. It The way they filmed it and the way they were able to use the cameras, because Danny Boyle was told, listen... You do have the option for digital. It's not going to look as good, but for the price but, of one camera, we can get you five. And well, he goes, sign me up. Sold. Well, then, of course, there's the whole rumor that, you know, the room, Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece. And yes, I don't mean that ironically. I know you don't. That is a masterpiece. The movie's terrible, but it is a masterpiece. Um, that should get a criteria. Could you imagine? No. 
No. Uh, supposedly, the rumor is that he filmed it on both film and digital. Simultaneously. Simultaneously. I don't know how true that is, because even though that movie had an, an outrageous budget. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's just so wild. I should have looked at the budget for this, and I didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of skimmed over it. I think it was pretty low. I mean, it's got to be. It, I mean, it definitely, it for sure, definitely see things like, it feels like everything that these characters are wearing are the clothes that they literally own. Like, they didn't yeah. hire a costume designer. No. Uh, or maybe they went out and bought them themselves. Yeah, bought the tuxes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, man, it... Now I do. I did have a question for you because I knew you'd maybe be able to give me, maybe steer me in the right direction. Why do they have the rule of the director must not be credited? I don't know. I think again, it's sort of that. To me, it feels like, and I haven't looked this up, so I don't know, and I probably don't. But it wasn't in any of the stuff I read. Um, it feels like the studio films to them rely too much on technology, too much on. Um, on tricks and all that stuff, but they also were sort of vanity projects. Like, yeah. look at this shiny thing I made, and here's my name all over it. Right? Mm, I think that makes since sense. since this is the antithesis of studio films, let's go all the way, and we're not going to put your name on it, even though it's technically on it. But yeah, um, but as like a producer or something, not as a director or no, writer. A, yeah, because that makes sense. You know, because you know, looking at. Because I've been thinking about it a lot lately, or I say lately, the past 24 hours, thinking about like the early 2000s mm-hmm. of, of those films, you know, if it was from the same producers, you know, they would say from the producers who brought you, you know. Which uh, is worthless. It means nothing. It means it, nothing. It literally, literally means nothing. But then, you know, we would have like from the director of, or like from Scott, you know, like I'm th- just... This is just an example, like, for the black phone. Mm-hmm. You know, it said from Scott Derrickson, the director of... Uh, Sinister. Sinister, and then Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. which I'm like, like, I get it. Like, Scott, you're really proud of that, which I love Scott Derrickson, but it's like, you didn't have to, like, people have probably seen Sinister. Like, you could have just... yeah. Yeah, promoted I've, that you were the guy who did Sinister. Guarantee you less people have seen it than they've seen Doctor Strange. But, That's true. Um, I... I get it. And also, you know, it's a marketing tool, right? Yeah. Which is the yeah. opposite of what this is wanting anyway. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. See, because I knew you'd get me probably steered in the right direction. Because yeah. now that makes sense that kind of like what we were talking about, that they almost wanted the movie to stand on its own. And let me tell you this. I was thinking about this earlier also, that it feels like, I don't know if they meant it to be this way, but it's sort of a type of quasi film school. Like if you can get yeah. through this. If you go on to make a studio film or if you go on to make a bigger budget film, mm-hmm. nothing will get in your way because you, you won't have these rules. Yeah. Right? You you got around this. Imagine if you had unlimited access. Yeah. If anything goes wrong in the production, you got it. Yeah. Because you know how to think outside the box. You know how to divert problems. You're like, oh, we don't have an extra light. That's okay. Well, I can go around that. Or, hey, um, these people didn't show up with the props we need. Okay, no not problem. A problem. Not a problem. I've, I've, <laughs> I've worked with this before. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's almost like you know they're making themselves better by, by giving them these, these restrictions. 
Yeah. In the long run. I think Lars von Trier has really doubled down on a lot of this stuff with his bigger budgeted films. I, I will, yeah, I will say, you know, even though I didn't like the house that Jack built as much as you did. You know, I love was, it there, so much. There were moments I really enjoyed, but, you know. I watched it the other day. <laughs> but, you know, sitting here talking, you know, I have been kind of thinking about some of the scenes in the movie. It does feel like he kind of took a lot, still uses a lot of these I wouldn't say the dogma rules to a T, but no. still uses some of it. Yeah, the that. handheld stuff has always been his bag. Like, he loves it, right? The yeah. handheld stuff, the the cutting within a shot. Does that make sense? Like, if I'm if I'm shooting you, there's going to be a cut, like but if it's my still hand, the same shot. Yeah, like if my hand's up, but they cut, my hand's already back exactly, down. Exactly, right? Yeah. Like, stuff like that he really digs, and, you know, that's all over this film, too. No, yeah. Um, I there's a movie called Dogville. I know I've probably talked about it before. Well, I I think you mentioned it a second ago. But anyway, did I really? Yeah. Well, I, I know I mentioned the the name Dogville, but um, but actually talked about it. Um, Dogville is it's a period piece, so it's already broke a rule. But so the rule, I'll read it verbatim. Um, that shooting must be done on location props and sets are not to be brought in Mm -hmm. so he avoided all of that by not having one Mm. um it is sketched out on the floor and so oh yeah i've seen i've seen scenes of this and so there is still sound so if someone knocks on a door you'll hear it right Uh but there is no door because it's Again, it's just mapped out on the floor, like with yeah. squares. Yeah, and when I was looking up more about the movement, like they were showing scenes from this, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. So he, but of course he chose to do that, right? The, he wants a different cinematic experience for the audience. Mm-hmm. He wants to tell a story, but he also wants it to be interesting in another way. Now, was Dogville a, a dog movie? No. No? Oh, because it was a period piece. And it was way after. It was a few years after it had oh, ended. Dog, gotcha. uh, Dogma 95 ended in 2002. Oh, that was 2009. No. Not according to this. But doesn't it say 2009 on, there? on, that, pa- on, that, on that piece of paper you got right this there? This piece of paper? That one says 2004. Yeah, 2004. You right. said 2002. Yeah. Because, the, oh, I, I'm sorry. My bad. 2004. Okay. Right. So 2004 uh, was the last one. Cosi X Casso was the was that movie. I've I think it was like a comedy. I looked at these and I have not heard of a lot of these. Um, well, so so we should talk about I would love a box set by the way, Criterion. Dude, I was just about to say, like, do you think they'll do the next one, which is the idiots? I would like that because I can't find that one physically anywhere. So I would yeah. like to see and I haven't seen it, so um but like so i feel like we should tell people why the the part of the genre a genre movie is so important to this because because i know i had to look it up uh it essentially means that they're not going to specifically make an action movie mm-hmm. a period piece a drama so like this yes it's classified as a drama yeah but it feels like so much more than just a drama mm-hmm. you know cuz you know we have parts of you know surrealism Mm -hmm. with you know christian's whole hallucination and i guess comedy i mean i think i didn't find any parts that were very funny i think drama is so 
so broad. Broad, yeah, you know, that it's that, not specifically a genre. No, I think, you know, obviously video stores and streaming services have it as a genre, but um, really this is just a story. A, this is a yeah. story of a family, right? Yeah. But that takes place in 1998, heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah. a, a, you know, it takes place in the here and now. Yeah, and so what I read was the final movie, um, by that point, the dogma movement in itself had become a genre. Yeah. Which is in direct contradiction of their own rules. Right. So do you, do you think Lars and Thomas were like, shit? Maybe, but... Or I, do you think that was maybe like they knew this was going to end? They may never have intended this to be forever, right? Yeah. I, I think that... I think that they would see how long they could do it and see who they could get to try to do this and see how many they can make and whatever. And who was it you said tried, but I think Harmony Kareen tried and didn't, didn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, because, because of the prop issue, um, Mm. in this film, uh, Chloe Sevigny had to be pregnant. And so he had her, they had to buy things for her belly, uh, right? And it's like, ah, oh, damn, you know. They couldn't just do the whole uh, pillow underneath don't her know shirt. They, don't know. <laughs> don't know if he even thought of that. <laughs> but but I mean, I, I feel like maybe they did, but they're like, no. Harmony Kareen is his own sort of type in, of insane. In, yeah, special kind of insane. He is. He's his own thing. I, I think that if he had tried, and he did, but if he had been a part of this. I think his career would have taken a different direction. Yeah. I think. But, you know, but I think that's what's just so interesting about this movement. You know, it's it was only it only lasted for about nine years. Yeah. But the fact that it lasted that long, I'm sure Lars and Thomas are like, damn. Hey, like, look at that. Almost almost a decade of doing these movies. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's great that they they, they didn't it, they didn't want it just to be them. They wanted other Anybody people. Anybody can do it. You just got to follow the rules. Yeah. Um, which I love, like, you know, it, it definitely is a collaborative thing, you yeah. know, cause I'm sure any director could have come in and been like, you know, well, how did you do it here? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is how I did it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just so interesting. I would, I, I would love to, if Criterion did all, maybe not all the movies, but definitely number two, the idiots, which, yeah, um, that'd be, that'd be great. uh, I, uh, they talked a lot in that video I watched and I, the story doesn't interest me at all because it does seem very offensive. Mm-hmm. But I want to see how Lars pulled it off. So Lars is offensive. So well, obviously we did a whole movie about his serial killer in the Five Obstructions uh, when he was telling Jorgen about I want you to go to a a place that you find just horrible, awful, right? And he goes, "Would you film?" a dying Ethiopian child and put the, the stuff over it and, and like put the, 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 um, dialogue and narration over that, uh, from your short film. The short film is called a perfect human, by the way. And, um, and he goes, no, because I'm not perverse, you know, Oof. Oof. saying that to the guy who's made a lot of perverse. Wait, uh, well, yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Lars, that's, he doesn't really have a bar. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Lars is like, I probably would have. You know, would you do this? And then Jorgen said no. And he goes, okay, well, then you decide what you think is the worst place in the world and go. But 
And it's almost like he was like, okay, well, then do it your way. (laughs) You know, like... Well, if we're not going to do it my way... Well, if you're not going to film a dying Ethiopian, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Because 100% he would have, right? Because... I mean... Because to to Lars, film medium doesn't have restrictions in, in a specific way. Like, in the way of perversion or if something is too offensive or too real or too this uh-huh. that doesn't exist for Lars von Trier, right? Um, and that was just funny that you had mentioned that because Lars, um, well, I mean, I've seen the house of Jack well, yeah. built. I've read everything about antichrist, you know? Um, yeah. What was the, what, what, what was the one movie he did that you, that you told me that he claims he made a music Vox oh, Lux, right? No. Um, Vox Lux is great. No, Dancer in the Dark. Dancer in the Dark is uh, a musical, technically. Did he not do Fox Lux? No. The, you know who did? Is in the American version, um, one of the boys in Funny Games. No, oh, not Michael Pitt. The one that isn't Michael Pitt. Oh. He directed Vox Lux. Did you know the that? The one with Natalie Portman and Jude yeah. Law? Really? Yeah. It's like a rock musical, right? It's not a musical. It's a music movie. It's about oh, it's, a it's musician. It's about a, right, right, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was Lars von Trier. Anyway, um, so Jeremy, yeah. are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? I am. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Absolutely. I I love learning about new things. By the way, uh, movementsinfilm.com basically is where I found this. Um, it's uh, Dogma95. This is the complete list. This is the Vow of Chastity. So I... Or go by the Criterion version and the booklet uh, is the Vow of Chastity. Granted, it's stapled right where number eight is, but if yeah. you very carefully kind of lift up the page... It says no genre film. You can see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I dug it. I, you know, again, I've said it repeatedly. I just, I loved seeing a movie that had restrictions, that had... Yeah. That was pretty much, well, not an unspoken rule, but pretty much said, like, do it like this. I did. I do love the idea of this philosophy that you know restrictions breeds creativity. Yeah, I, I mean, because you've got to figure out some way how to do it. I buy into that. I don't yeah. know if other filmmakers do. I think other filmmakers love the freedom to do whatever you want. I think that if you add some rules in there, I think it's fun to see what you can come up with. Yeah, I mean, true. You know, like like we talked, we jokingly talked about with like David Lowry. You know, he definitely seems like the type of director who. He wants his freedom. He yep. wants the ability to do yeah. what he wants to do. I think filmmakers, if they were to do another movement like this, I think that people would do it just to see what they could come up with yeah. or just to see, just to challenge themselves. Yeah. I don't think this is really where you want. I want to tell this story and I want to do it this way. I think if you have something you're really passionate about, you want to do it however you want. But if you just want to try something and see if you can challenge yourself to follow these rules to a T and not break any of them, mm-hmm. you would come up with something and you know, whatever. Yeah. I think really that's what the dogma films are. I, I definitely think if anyone were to revitalize it, a 24, I think would be like yeah. the one I could think of the most that would be like, Hey, we're going to revitalize it. But, but see, they would have to remove, well, no, they, this movie had a, a, a production company credited. They did, they did. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, so right. What's so next you, week? Um, good question. Can I see your phone? Because I know I shared you my list. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, totally. I <laughs> have really been trying to decide. Uh, and I haven't been thinking about it. 
at all. Um, okay, give me two whole seconds. Okay, that's fine. Um, okay, one. Let us know in the comments uh, if you've seen the celebration. Let us know um, which, if you've seen any of the diamond, or if you've ever heard of it. Let us know if you learned anything today. Okay. I, I do like to uh, pass on knowledge of film, so this is um, this is fun for me. Okay. Did you find it? Um, Good, because no one's going to fucking comment anyway, you jags. <laughs> one, two, or three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it literally one, two, or three there? No. Okay. I, I really went down it. One, three. two. You went three? Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be excited, my man. Oh, sweet. So next week. Yeah. We will be talking about Hell or High Water. Now we're talking. Uh, I am very excited for this movie. I hate that I missed out on the uh, Steelbook 4K. But I do have it on 4K, so that's all good. Um, As we said in our 100th episode special, we both love Jeff Bridges. Of course. Um, And of course, uh, I really like to see Chris Pine out of his element. Yeah. You know, I feel like Chris Pine kind of became sort of a action star i guess maybe kind of sort of in a way he's really a classic leading man at this point yeah that's true yeah. uh but i love to see him out of his element and of course uh ben foster oh, have we done a movie with him yet i don't think we have ben foster um, is shout incredible. out to freaks and geeks man where he got his start <laughs> ben foster's incredible he's one of the greatest actors working today and i think people don't really know him so i, I think people need to find yeah. more stuff that he's in um here's some suggestions um 310 to Yuma. He's oh, amazing in that. I've seen 310 to Yuma. That's great. Um, he's amazing in a new film that came out a couple years ago called Galveston. That's really good. Um, he is in Alpha Dog, which... Oh, my God. I, um, everyone I remember in high school wouldn't shut up about that movie. It's a good movie, man. Um, I don't know how much it's aged, but I'm I, sure I liked it at the time. Poorly. Yeah, probably. And... Let me think of another one real fast. I can't. So those, <laughs> or they can watch Freaks and Geeks. Or the, yeah, or you know what? Hell, I want. Why not? Um, yeah, uh, and of course, the other thing that makes me interested about this movie is that it takes place in West Texas. It sure does, which and is where we're from. That's where we're from. That's where we're from. Uh, check out, by the way, while you're doing this uh, for the show, if you're going to watch Hell or High Water, also check out Sicario and Wind River. Um, Taylor mm-hmm. Sheridan is amazing. So, who wrote Colorado? Didn't he also do Yellowstone? Yes. And, he also created Yellowstone. And 1886 and, and Mayor of East Town or something like that. Did he do Mayor of East Town? Yeah. Did he? Pretty sure he did. Okay. Uh, Taylor Sheridan's amazing. And yeah. also super handsome. It's not fair. for uh, like, To be like really talented, like a really great writer, a great director. And then be super handsome. And also be really handsome and rugged. Yeah, it's not fair at all. <laughs> What do you do? You want directors that look more like Richard Donner? Yeah. Richard Donner, who's been dead for like forty years. Yeah, I want him to look like. Uh, you know what? I want all directors to look like Fellowship of the Rings Peter Jackson. That's oh what I want them to look God. like. <laughs> well, unfortunately, he's back to that look. Is he? Yeah, dude. He Damn. lost all the weight and then he gained it all back again. Damn it, Peter. Peter, take care of yourself, please. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> we're going to need you to give us your opinion on Amazon's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I need to know. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. Very uh, exciting. Hell or High Water. I love it. Yeah. So we hope everyone enjoyed the celebration, and we will see you next week for Hell or High Water.